The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day comes to us from Matthew chapter 17, and especially these words. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Growing up, I was exposed to all sorts of different Christian music. And in listening to a bunch of different Christian music, eventually I became a fan of a group that was called Third Day. They were a Christian rock band, essentially, whose lead vocals were strong and powerful. The lead vocalist belted out those lyrics in an unmistakable and, uh, and powerful voice. And as a young boy, listening to that music, that music in its powerful way was very appealing to me. I remember that for a time at least, my favorite song was one of theirs called Consuming Fire. Our God is a consuming fire, the song began. Maybe some of you remember that song as well. But you know, when I look back at that song today, I'm a little amazed by how weird it was in one way. For first, that song speaks about God being a consuming fire. And then, of all things, it asks God to come and be present. Sort of an odd request. If you think God is a consuming fire, that you would want him to come anywhere near you. In fact, one might say the only way you could even make such a request is because either you don't understand the purity of God's holy nature or you're ignorant of your own sinfulness. Asking a holy God, a consuming fire, to come and be present with you is simply a death wish. For simple humanity. After all, the whole concept of God being a consuming fire is all centered around what happened when God's people gathered at Mount Sinai where Moses received the Ten Commandments. Our Old Testament reading is the end of that account for today. But let me remind you of a few of the specifics that occurred just a few chapters before. In Exodus 19, it says this, On the morning of the third day, there were lightnings and thunders and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp were terrified and trembled. I guarantee you that on that day, nobody asked God to come down to them. They knew what would happen if he did. God would get angry and they would perish. For they knew that God's wrath, as the psalmist said, against sin is quickly kindled. And so, instead, what did they do? Well, they begged Moses that he might go up there for them, that he might sort of go up as the guinea pig or the sacrificial animal in order that they might be spared having to interact with that holy God. They understood that God was a consuming fire, and they did not wish to be consumed. Let me ask you, 
Have you ever thought of God that way? Have you ever been terrified that God indeed might consume you in fire? Do you really believe that if the holy God showed up and you were standing there, that your nature and his nature would require him to destroy you? That he would get angry and that you would perish? You know, the account of the transfiguration which we have today again, seems a little odd if you have this understanding of the holiness of God and his presence. There, Peter, James, and John go up with Jesus upon this high mountain. And there he is transfigured, we are told, before them. His face shining like the fiery sun and his clothes beaming white. And what do they say? Well, we'll sing it later. "'Tis good, Lord, to be here." Now, in one way, if they truly understood what was happening there, that Jesus was revealing himself to be the very God, we might think it more appropriate for them to be terrified rather than excited. But the other Gospels, of course, tell us that these disciples did not even know what they were saying when they spoke. In the moment, they were overtaken by everything that was happening around them, and so they were not thinking clearly. All they knew is they were there on the mountain with Jesus and Moses and Elijah. Perhaps they were too starstruck even to think any further. But then in a moment, everything changed. While Peter was making plans to build tents in order that they could stay there on that mountain a little longer, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And then all of a sudden, from that cloud came forward a voice. And then the disciples knew what that meant. I'm sure they had heard the story since they were little boys. When the cloud of God's presence comes upon a mountain, and when a voice thunders forth, you are in danger. That consuming fire might well consume you. And so what did they do? They fell on their faces and were terrified. Again, I ask you, Have you ever thought of God in this way? Have you ever really been terrified that he might come and consume you with fire? Do you really believe that if the holy God showed up and you were standing there, that your nature and his nature would require him to destroy you, that he would get angry and that you would perish? Those disciples fell over as if they were dead likely because they thought they were. But then came the powerful word of Christ. Rise, he said to those ones laying dead. Have no fear, he said to those ones whose insides must have just been scrambled in terror. So how was it that he could say that? How was it that sinful men like Peter and James and John could be in the presence of God and yet not need to have fear? Well, let us return for a second here to our Old Testament reading. For in this account, we are told that there is one way in which holy God and sinful man can come together and yet sinful man not perish. How does that happen? What is the one exception? 
Well, there must be the blood of a worthy sacrifice offered. Yes, in a scene that turns our stomach, due to our modern ideas about cleanliness and hygiene, we see here Moses take the blood of sacrifices and he throws it upon everyone that is present. Right before where we started reading, Moses takes that blood and throws it upon God, or at least upon the altar, the symbol of God's presence. And then he turns, and if that's not bad enough for our stomachs, he takes that same blood and he throws it upon the people. Why? Because only can God and man come together if their whole interaction is covered in blood. So how is it that Jesus can tell sinful men like Peter and James and John, not to mention sinful men and women like you and me, that we need not be afraid in the presence of a holy and perfect God? Well, because he is the worthy sacrifice, and he will shed his blood. And that blood, it will reach the heavens, and it will be placed upon us. You see, after Moses placed that blood everywhere, then we are told that some of the people of God actually went up on that mountain where God had chosen to dwell, and they ate with God. Throughout that reading, there is this amazement that this could even happen. How is it that people could see God and live? The whole rest of the Old Testament said it couldn't happen. But yet it did. What happened there happened, though, because of the blood that had been shared. Today, although the altar is empty, it is not a day that we celebrate the Lord's Supper. It would be unfaithful for me not to tie this whole thing for us and our lives to the Lord's Supper. For the Lord's Supper, in a way, is the equivalent of what we see in Exodus 24. In the Supper, that blood that was shed upon the cross that created that new covenant, well, that blood is placed upon us. Or spoken more properly, as God has chosen to give out this blood in the New Testament, that blood is placed inside of us. And this idea still makes us modern people a little uncomfortable, doesn't it? Many have tried to rid themselves of the discomfort of drinking blood, by simply claiming that Jesus' blood is not present there in that meal. But have no doubts, Jesus says it is, and he says it had better be, because without it, you can't eat with God. You can't see God and live. If the literal blood of a literal worthy sacrifice is not placed inside of you, well then you should be terrified when God shows up. So have you ever thought of God in that way? Have you ever been terrified that he might consume you in fire? Do you really believe that if the holy God showed up and you were standing there, that his nature and your nature would require him to destroy you? That God would get angry and that you would perish? Well, if not, for a second you should today, for your sins indeed are many, and the holiness of God is real. When you think of the consuming fire coming towards you, it should knock you off your feet. 
just like it did those disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. You should fall over like a dead person. That's part of why people used to kneel for confession, was to give evidence that that's how they felt when they recognized their sins upon them. Today, you are called to recognize your precarious position before God, that your sin makes God's coming to you dangerous. For if you truly believe that, well then when Christ speaks to you, the word will be truly good to you. What does Jesus say to you? Well, the same thing he said to the disciples. Rise and have no fear. As he reminds you that the blood of that new covenant, which is far better than the old covenant made back in Exodus, has been shed. And it has been placed upon you and inside of you. Yes, the blood of Jesus was shed upon the cross. His body broken there for you. And when it is placed upon you, well then you can eat with God. You can see him. And you can live. Yes, it is only when God and man come together and the blood of Jesus that is there that we truly ought to sing, "'Tis good, Lord, to be here." For if we understand that the blood of Jesus makes that possible, well, then we can rejoice. We can enjoy that moment that God gives us in the Lord's Supper, and we can look forward to that time when we will eat with God upon a far better mountain, when we will see God with our own eyes and where we will live with him forever. So rise, fear not, Jesus has come, and you can dwell in peace and joy with your Father forever. So let me ask you one more time. Have you ever thought in God, about God in this way? Have you ever really been terrified that he might consume you in fire? Do you really believe that if the Holy God showed up and you were standing there, that his nature and your nature would require him to destroy you, that he would get angry and that you would perish? You need not today. You need not be terrified. For Jesus has come. His blood is upon you. And all is well with you and the Father forever. Amen.